Welcome back, everybody, to your creativity. We are talking to another uh, member of the Kevin Smith world. And this guy appeared in the first uh, film of Kevin Smith, um, Clerks, and he was the Chulies gum guy. Scott Schiaffo, is that correct? Did I pronounce that right? Schiaffo, yes. That's that's Italian, right? It sure is. Uh, The pronunciation official pronunciation which nobody uses is schiaffo but it's schiaffo to most americans <laughs> yeah i'm i'm a my last name's italian also Maziotti, but most people say Maziotti. right there you go yeah so you're no stranger to having your name mangled up exactly <laughs> not a big deal so aside from clerks you've been in um vulgar and uh, the new Jane Silent Bob reboot, as well as an episode of the Comic Book Men. Um, I want to go back to you know where it all started within this universe. Your your audition uh, for Clerks because I heard it has a pretty interesting story. Well, yeah, there's a there's a story that's on the IMDb which I didn't really share for many years because it wasn't. Um, I won't say it's unflattering, but it may have given me some uh, negative attention that I wasn't looking for. I had show. I, I showed up quite early, which is what I would normally do. Uh, I'm a bit of a. Uh, I don't want to say I'm an OCD bug, but uh, when it comes to any kind of meetings, I'm usually the guy that's early. I'd rather be 15 minutes early than five minutes late. Anyway, I was early, and I was considerably early for this particular thing because it was an hour and a half drive. So I gave myself plenty of time. So I had a good 45 minutes or so to kill. And it, the auditions were at a theater that were right along. A, it was a beach town in Atlantic, called Atlantic Islands. Um, but the beaches were closed that time of year. I had gone out on a jetty and I was rehearsing and working on my monologue and I was really getting into it so but from the shore it looked like there was some kind of lunatic out on the jetty because back then there was no cell phones or the internet's not wasn't what you know it today there it's a different world so if you saw somebody talking to themselves chances are they were talking to themselves not somebody on the phone or in an earpiece and they got concerned that maybe there was an inebriated person out on the jetty or somebody who was maybe going to hurt themselves. So when I came in to shore, the security, uh, you know, gave me the once over and they saw I was fine. So I said, listen, please, if you're going to uh, arrest me or detain me, can you do it after the audition? And they laughed. They, they knew there was a theater right up the road. So, uh, so yeah, I, I almost, it was almost a close call, but I didn't get to the audition, which would have been a shame for me for sure, because uh, who knew the good fortune that was pending? Yeah, and that that scene is, in my opinion, one of the biggest scenes in the movie. You know, because it um, Marilyn comes in and and saves the day with the extinguisher, and yeah, it, it, it's just a really good scene, and you're you're perfect for it. Um, Thank you. What, what what was it like re uh, kind of revisiting that that part of the universe in uh, reboot? 
you know, with with the other cast members? Well, it was, you know, so of course it was wonderful to see everybody, but I do get to see a lot of those people, thankfully, thanks to the convention world, uh, which again, that didn't exist the way it does today in the early 90s. I had some close friends who were real comic book nerd guys and they would go to the conventions, but the conventions were a very different type of thing back in the late 80s, early 90s compared to what they would begin to be. Uh, probably it was after the, it was into the 2000s before they really started to become such a universally widespread event where it wasn't just comics, it was pop culture in general and wrestling and then themed conventions, horror conventions, uh, things of this nature. But I, it was wonderful to get to see everybody and spend time together. The comic book men were there, of course, too. And uh, so many people were there. The, the few days I was down in New Orleans for the filming uh, was the same time they did the uh, Jason Biggs and, um, oh gosh, I'm zoning out on names. Help me out here. Uh, James Van Der James right. Vanderbeek. Correct. The Vanderbeek and Big scene was shot then. Um, I got to spend a little time around Deidre, who's, you know, the crazy mall cop, who's a wonderful, wonderful actor and a very funny man and very sweet man in general. Um, and uh, Brian Quinn from uh, Impractical Jokers was there the same a few days we were there. So it, it was just it's really exciting. It's sort sort of like a homecoming in in a sense. Yeah, I I, I love that. It like that, that movie is just one of my favorites because it it brings everything from all the past together. Um, do you know if you're involved in uh, Clerks Three yet? Well, I got the call, and <laughs> it was funny. About last last winter, February or so. Brian O'Halloran and Marilyn Gigliotti and myself, we were doing an online convention for Wizard World. Right. And we had a Q&A panel. And lo and behold, Kevin and Jay sort of uh, crashed the panel and came <laughs> on. So it was all five of us, which was just super wonderful and exciting. But yeah. Ke Kevin had announced, he said, everybody you see on screen is going to be involved in Clerks 3 as well, which of course we all knew Brian would be, he's Dante. But yeah. uh, for Marilyn and I, it was a beautiful surprise. And uh, although she she had some inclination that Veronica may be involved as well, but I never dreamed he would be able to bring in the gum guy. Um, but when we found out you know, the, the nature of the new script, because Clerks 3, or the idea of a Clerks 3 had been sort of wafting around for many years. There was an entirely different script for Clerks 3 uh, four or five years ago that was almost close to getting made. Uh, it didn't happen for various reasons. There were issues with certain production uh, details as well as... Um, Jeff Anderson had some issues with some things. So the, that that version of the film was pretty much scrapped. And lo and behold, 
his new version, which he's talked about, so I'm not really giving anything away here. Uh, yeah. He's discussed online that what happens is essentially Dante and uh, Randall uh, are going to shoot the movie Clerks, not unlike what really happened to Kevin in real life. So when that became the new storyline, the ability to bring people back from the first one became very open and a very real thing. So, but again, until it's actually done, excuse me, you know, I never take anything for granted. And exactly. the film world is of such that, you know, you could even shoot all of your stuff. And for whatever reason, if something happens during editing or they take a different uh, course, until it's actually cut and being screened, you know, I don't get too nuts with uh, taking take it with a grain of salt, so to speak. But it looks good. It looks like you have a very good chance we'll all be in it. Awesome. Um, let's talk about your, your other work. What what kind of other types of films are you involved with? Because you, you've been, you're in the indie world. Yeah. Yeah, I've been doing it pretty strong since since Clerks. Clerks was the gateway, and it, it opened up a lot of doors, which was a beautiful, uh, a beautiful thing for me. Along with the fact that this, the fact that the film itself became uh, somewhat of a, it's beyond cult, really. A lot of people say cult film, but it's been so many years, and it's gone through so many iterations of followers that we now get. Uh, newer generations, children of the people who grew up with the film are now being exposed to the film. And so it's gone on to different generations. But um, I was very fortunate to have the role, which we were discussing earlier, that uh, the nature of the Julie's Gum Guy scene was it really stands out because in the film, it acts as a device to sort of get the film off the ground and give you an idea of just what kind of craziness you're in for. So within the first five minutes of the original Clerks, the Chulies Gum Guy is kind of like a setup to let you know, hey, this is going to be a wild ride. It's not going to be, you know, uh, uh, just, a, just your average day at the convenience store. This is going to be pretty bizarre. That said, the character stuck out and lucky for me, a lot of casting directors uh, were impressed with the scene, and I did get a lot of calls in those in that first uh, chunk of years in the '90s. And I did a lot of indie work uh, right up to the very day. But I, I did a film with an actor named Michael DiLorenzo, who's uh, back in the '90s. Uh, Michael's had a wonderful career. He's been around forever. He uh, was uh, one of the leads in New York Undercover, a very, very, one of the most popular TV series of the time. It was on the Fox Network, which at the time Fox Network was kind of a new thing, but New York Undercover was quite a big show. And uh, I got to work with him uh, for an entire film. Uh, it was like a mobster spoof. Unfortunately, that film did not really get the commercial release we were all hoping for. But it did kick the door open to even more stuff. So I got to work opposite him. And he was a beautiful guy. He was a really, really uh, warm, open, giving actor who 
at the time was quite a big star. So for me, it was exciting because not only did I respect him and follow his career, I was aware of Michael for years. He's Santiago and a few good men. Uh, he was in Judgment Night. He's He was in Head of the Class. He was in Fame, both the movie and the series. He had been around a while, so he was a real established staple. So it was exciting. And to meet him and for him to be such a sweetheart, because all of my scenes were with him, we kind of pal around together in the movie. It's a mobster comedy. And he's kind of like my muscle guy. So that was just a wonderful, wonderful experience. Um, and then, of course, there was Vulgar with Brian O'Halloran. And that was directed by Brian Johnson from Comic Book Men. And that's a very crazy film. But again, I got to be a, a pretty nasty, loud mouth kind of jerk, which is what I started getting sort of cast in a lot. But, you know, you can't complain when you're getting the work and people are calling you in. Uh, another film I'd like to mention quickly is a film called Linger. It's a short film. It's available on Amazon. It played the festivals, but it was a very different type of thing for me. It was uh, a small town story of a small town detective who becomes embroiled in a uh, 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 a case with a, a teenage uh, girl who is almost a surrogate for his own daughter. He lost his daughter. And uh, it's a sweet, sweet story. It was done by Tom Zanka. Uh, and it's called Linger. And one other I want to quickly plug uh, so you got to be careful, Dylan, when you ask an actor to talk about themselves, forget it. It's off. It's over. Uh, uh, no, I'm, it, I'm learning that. <laughs> Idiots Are Us. It was a comedy and it, it won a several uh, independent film uh, awards for uh, 2006, I believe. It was a while ago, but uh, very exciting. So uh, I'm, I'm blessed to have continued to work and I have my recording studio so I have that as well, which is a, a big part of my life. So I've been very fortunate. Yeah, I, I was going to talk to you about uh, the, the music part. I read that you uh, like do some music for film, but do you do other kind of stuff too? Yeah, well, I you know I grew up. Uh, music was my first real passion. I've been playing guitar since I'm seven years old, and. Uh, I don't know what else, I, how else to even articulate just how important music is to me. It was the number one thing in my life for most, basically my whole life. But film is a very close second. I love film. I, I love everything about film. Um, I respect theater actors and I respect what it takes to do a stage play. I've been in a few, but my true love is, is film and uh, music. Uh, so I've been very fortunate in that my uh, the doors that opened for me in the film world, thanks to Clerks, uh, I was able to parlay that into doing uh, several scores. Uh, I did a lot of uh, score work from two thousand, well, roughly mid mid nineties right up until current day, uh, and that I love to do dearly too because the marriage of Music with film is a very exciting thing uh, and a very, un, it's a very understated thing, but you know, people don't realize just how important the music score is until there's something within the, if you, until it's removed. If you were to watch any film without the score, 
a giant chunk would be missing and a lot of the poignant uh, things would, would, would be absent. Uh, music's very important to uh, any film. So again, I feel blessed that I've had the chance to do that. Um, in the film and music world, who, who inspires you? Uh, well, as far as in film, oh, great. As far as in film, I'm sorry, give me a second here. That's no, okay. Um, <laughs> but actor wise, I grew up. Come on, I'm so sorry, folks. What is happening here? No, you're fine. I can't even shut it off. Ha, sorry. Um, I grew up really admiring and looking up to the guys from the 70s. Dustin Hoffman, Jack Nicholson, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino. These were the guys that really influenced me. And they, they, there was a, there was a change of the guard, so to speak, leading men in the classic era Hollywood. They were much more, uh, you know, they were extremely handsome men who can deliver dialogue convincingly. But it was the 70s that made what we consider a leading man to be basically the character actor or the sidekick guy. People like right. Dustin Hoffman and Jack Nicholson and, and De Niro and all of these guys who we now look at the jazz giants. Old school Hollywood looked at them as character actor guys who were sidekick. They weren't considered leading men. But because the idea of what a leading man can be changed, uh, it opened the door for uh, stronger character actors could now carry a film and they weren't just the sidekick. So those were the guys that, you know, really inspired me growing up. And later on, uh, Mickey Rourke was another guy who I followed from a young age and in the 80s. You couldn't touch. I mean, he was just a giant, whether it was Pope of Greenwich Village. And, you know, I'm I'm old enough to where I, I saw all these things in the theater and I was just gobsmacked by, you know, as soon as he stepped on camera, he owned the scene. Um, and musically, I grew up with the music of the 60s and the 70s. I mean, the Beatles, the Stones, Zeppelin, who... The Young Rascals, they, those were the guys that I really looked up to. But um, yeah, that, 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 I feel like I grew up at a time when pop culture was really a pretty amazing thing. Not that it's not now. I don't want to sound like a, a snob about it, but. <laughs> but I, and I, I read that you're also a writer um, and that you write poetry. Is there any other type of stuff that you write? Uh, well, I'm working on a couple of projects now uh, that I, they're, they're in the, they're in the stages to where there's not all that much to talk about aside from one will, one will touch a lot on recovery from alcohol and drug addiction because I had a very severe drinking and drug addiction myself for many years. Uh, most of my adult life, I suffered with it. But I'm sober now, 15 years, and I'm also... Congratulations. Thank you very much. This 4th of July will be 15 years. Um, but it was a big part of my life, and it was 
very, very uh, damaging. But yet I was fortunate that I still continued to do the work and get the work. And I never really uh, lost any major uh, film or music uh, gigs as a result. But a lot of things, you know, were affected by it in my life, my entire life. Right. But um, I mean, I, I was very fortunate. I, I got to go to school for uh, behavioral psychology. I have a master's degree in professional mental health counseling. I don't practice, but I believe in the field very much. So long story short, sorry, the book is going <laughs> to be probably based on my own experience of recovering from alcohol and drug abuse, but it will be tempered with somebody who actually has the degree in the field as well. So it'll be personal, yet it'll also have a clinical overtone. Uh, and I was thinking of doing a, 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 a memoir of the 80s, 90s, and the early 2000s, the bulk of the years where I was coming up, had my good fortune with clerks and the, the things that followed. I recently read Andrew McCarthy's book, who I respect and uh, enjoy very much. And he managed to, he created a book that was very uh, concise and very poignant into the heart. Uh, and it just focused on his career in the 80s and 90s. And then he touched on his childhood and he touched on the current day. So I'm considering something of that nature. Um, and again, I, you know, I'm very fortunate to have the career that I do have. It's, it's what I call grassroots. Uh, obviously I'm far from a household name. I'm not anybody's idea of an A-list guy, but I've been living very, uh, nicely on what you might call the D-list as a supporting guy for many years. And, uh, also if I could help anybody with their struggles with addiction because it's a horrible affliction it destroys a lot of not only does it destroy the person who's got the affliction but it really hurts a lot of family and friends and it's a horrible thing yeah i've got a friend and he he was really bad on heroin and he he's been clean for quite a while now and he does a podcast called junkie land and he oh. he, he talks about it you know just about every week and it, it, and I, I think it's helpful and, you know, projects like yours, I think are extremely helpful too. You know, I, I drank for quite a lot for a few years, but luckily that's when I met my wife and she helped pull me out of it. But I, I know how tough it is, you know, and never destroyed my life too bad, but I, yeah, I, I totally, totally understand. Um, other reviewers who guests that we've had on the podcast uh, have been like Ernie O'Donnell and uh, Sav Rogers. Have Have you been to the the new Day and Silent Bob Secret Stash and to the Smod Castle to see what Ernie uh, worked on there? No, I have not actually had the opportunity, but I will soon. I just spoke to Ernie uh, this past week. Actually, there's a lot going on this summer. Clerks yeah. 3 is shooting this summer, but also he's going to be doing a big sort of grand opening for the new Smod Castle. Uh, 
which will be soon. It'll be early July, and it's going to be sort of like a belated birthday to Jay Muse, but an early birthday to Kevin because this is in is in August. Kevin's birthday, so the new Smartcastle will be up and running very soon. I'm really looking forward to, to spending some time down there and getting to see those guys, but I have not been able to see uh, the new uh, stash or the Smartcastle yet. Smartcastle itself is not open, but uh, like I said, it's uh, ha- knowing these people personally has some wonderful perks. Uh, Ernie had invited me down. I live just 10 minutes outside of New York City. So I'm way north compared to those guys. I'm like an hour and a half away from all of their action down there in Leonardo and Red Bank. And I try to get down there as often as I can, but uh, it's not always that easy with my own uh, projects and career and whatnot. I, I, I find myself super busy up in northern New Jersey. I don't get to go down there as much as I'd like to, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. And then we've had uh, Sav Rogers on. She's brought uh, he he's been brought in at the end uh, to kind of help with post production of shooting clerks. And you're you're featured in there as uh, Kevin's dad. Tell us about that experience. Well, that was a mind blower, man. And I tell you, I was pr- probably out of all the all of the films I've ever worked on. That was the one that that was the one role I was the most nervous about tackling and funny uh there's not a lot of uh don smith within the film shooting clerks does not have a tremendous amount of dialogue in fact it's the opposite he has very little but obviously it's very important i mean this is kevin's father and kevin has discussed in his in his Q&As for years, just how important his father was to him and what a supportive, influential character he was. So getting to play him was a beautiful, beautiful experience. And also, I was very nervous. I really wanted to be sure I did him justice. And uh, so I went to Ernie, because I never got to meet Kevin's dad in person myself. I went to Ernie, who knew him well. Uh, Ernie grew up with Kevin, so Ernie's been in Kevin's life since they were children. So I got to pick his brain a little bit, and uh, some other people as well I got to speak to who knew Kevin really well personally for many years. Um, Just because I wanted to get the tone and the nature of what uh, Don Smith was really like and it was really, really a wonderful experience. And, you know, Kevin's a very sentimental guy, especially after the heart attack. And at the screening, he got very emotional and, uh, you know, he had cried. And um, not as a result of my performance per se, <clears throat> but because I think it was so poignant and moving to him. Um, but that was really a beautiful, beautiful experience and opportunity. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, I think all of Kevin's fans are going to really enjoy that film because it's done with so much art. Do you know the timeline of release or where they are with it? You know, they've had a long struggle with uh, yeah. not only post-production, <clears throat> but with, uh, and just in the time the film was shot and edited, 
the film business has changed so much and is constantly changing. But the last five or six years, we've really seen, I don't, I don't want to say the death of DVD, but the disc, the, you know, hard copy discs as a medium, uh, it's changing. It's really changing. In fact, even Amazon has stopped manufacturing uh, discs from their uh, program for self-publishing. So that's pretty mind blowing, but uh, they've got, they've got, they got their ducks lined up and I'm almost 95% sure it will see a, a real full blown release this year. Uh, I got to say, if it doesn't, it will, it'll be soon because they have been struggling with how to release it, what type of uh, deal would be the best deal for that type of film. And um, I'm pretty sure they're still going to do a boxed package, a DVD. Well, people who really love films still want their DVDs. It's just like, as you must, as you know, as, as somebody who follows, it's changed so much. It's just crazy. You know, DVDs really have almost all but ended, just like, just like what happened with Napster and discs and things of that nature. Very similar to film. Yeah, I used to work at a video store, you know, Blockbuster and um, a music store. So, yeah, seeing those disappear has been sad, but it it, it makes sense too, you know, because why why go out and you know spend money when you can just have a part of a monthly monthly package? Well, we've we're pretty much at time. I've just got a few bonus questions if you sure. have a minute for them. I okay, do. the uh, the first bonus question is uh what does creativity mean to you that's a great question because and believe it or not uh, if you look on my imdb uh i've had a film in various stages of pre-production called the enemy of art and what it was was we asked artists of all of all ilks what is their definition of art and what is the enemy of art but Creativity to me is any means of self-expression uh, that a person can engage in that someone else can be affected by or enjoy. And that could be anything from uh, people who, I mean, an artist, I, a chef is an artist, how they prepare the food and uh, a baker can be construed it's, as art. Um, to me, I think anything is, creativity is anything that you use your inner pathos to create whatever it may be that will affect and touch someone else, whether it's a song, a poem, a book, uh, a piece of art. Uh, it's very broad in its scope when you think about it. Um, so I hope I semi-answered your question. As, um, as no, I yeah. Could. Yeah. And then the, the next bonus question is, who is your favorite Muppet and why? My favorite Muppet? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
That's really funny. Um, well, I suppose it would be a little super self-absorbed to say that I did a short film called The Puppet Apocalypse, where alien puppets are taking over the planet and eventually the whole cast is turned into a puppet. So being in a movie where eventually I turned into a puppet was so much fun. <laughs> but of course, I'm not going to say the puppet me. That that would be a terribly absorbed thing to say. I bet I would say I like the cook Cookie Monster. I'm sorry, Cookie Monster oh, was probably one of my favorites. Yeah, he he's fun. And then this last one, I always I, I always find it weird asking actors this question in the movie of your life. Who would you want to play you? Oh wow! Oh my gosh! <laughs> well, you know who I mean. I I I think. Wow, jeez, I I'm a big uh, Jason Schwartzman fan. I love the kid. I call him a kid. That's that's very patronizing. I didn't mean it in that way. But to me, anybody who is younger than me is like a kid. Uh, although that's that's very patronizing and can be seen as undermining. I don't mean it that way. But uh, I think uh, it would be interesting to see Jason Schwartzman do it. Uh, <laughs> but that's something I've never considered <laughs> because my career is of such that, you know, it's grassroots. If I yeah. were to become a household name someday for whatever reason, who knows? That would be bizarre. But uh, that in itself would be completely bizarre. But uh, I'd like to see Jason Schwartzman play the 90s me. In, in Shooting Clerks, is there somebody playing your character? No, no, there's not. Um, there almost might have been, because that script went through a lot of iterations, and they were going to have some shots from when Kevin actually shot the movie. But they sort of shied away from that and stuck more with his personal life. Um, although, yes, there's people playing all of the other main characters. But um, they did eventually have somebody playing the Chulies Gum guy in the movie. But uh, it, it, it didn't make it to the final cut. So, no, there, there's not. But uh, what's funny is in, the, in Clerks 3... It goes full circle, and chances are that might be what's going to be happening with my character. But again, I, that's way more than I know for sure to be able to say. But it should be exciting because, in essence, in Clerks Three, they're going to shoot Clerks. It's literally going in one big circle. It's pretty wild. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be trippy, but it's I think it's gonna be awesome. If if people want to. Uh, take a look at what you're doing in your filmography and stuff like that. Where, where can they find you online? Well, I have a .com, uh, scottschiaffo.com, and it's basically now, it used to be a very fully realized site, but because there's so much else going on online and I have so many accounts, it's now basically scottschiaffo.com is a place to find all of the pertinent links for the IMDb, you, my YouTube channel, uh, all of my social media channels, 
a, a place where you can get uh, you can get personalized merchandise, and the proceeds go to the Angels of Animals that I work with. It's a uh, animal rescue here in northern New Jersey. So anything purchased through that, uh, the proceeds go to the Angels of Animals. Um, but you could find me on any social media platform, just my name. That's my account, whether it's Scott Schiappo, uh, Instagram, Scott Schiappo, Twitter, Scott Schiappo, Facebook, a quick Googling of me and you'll get more than you ever would want or need. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Scott. I appreciate your time and uh, I'll let you go. Thank you. Thank you, Dylan. This was really great. You have a great week. You too. Thank you. The podcast is done, man. <laughs>